Welcome to the Community Hope Podcast. We exist to share hope with more people in more places. For more information on this podcast or our church, please visit communityhope.org. Now stay tuned for our Sermon of the Week. So Today, I'm so glad that you're here. Today we are in week two of our Warrior Series. Uh, we talked last week about how God has for us, for men and for women, someone to protect he has a battle, a kingdom for us to establish, and a battle for us to fight. And so today we're going to be continuing on in that series of what that looks like to be a warrior as a man and as a woman. And so Diane's going to be telling us a little bit more about what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Well, it's good to be back. Um, all right. So last week we talked a little bit about our identity. Uh, and this week we are going to talk about what motivates us to be warriors, and that is courage. But there is something that comes against us every time we are challenged to be courageous, and that is insecurity. That is fear. And um, so I, I'm so glad to be here for a second week. And as we explore this today, we're going to be talking not only about how that is for men, but for women. And um, so this is for everyone. And we are all in a, in a battle. I don't know if you are aware of that. Um, I loved how Tyler referenced that today as he was leading. He did such a great job. Way to go, Tyler. Yay, wherever you are. Um, <laughs> I think it's awesome when men and women work together, you know, up here on the stage. We're trying to just demonstrate that because I think that's God's heart for us. He called both sons and daughters. Um, and so when we work together, I think that there's a strength in that, and there's an encouragement in that, and our world needs to see that. So I'm, um, I'm thankful today for Tyler. And um, so as we begin today, we are talking about courage. And um, this week, I had this unique experience. I was trying to find this public address for a girl to present for individual speech. And I, I came across the story of Malala Yoseva. And maybe some of you, I, I think I mispronounced her last name. Um, but she is from Pakistan. And her story began when she was 11 years old. She started to speak out for women to have an education. And she was from a, a, a big city, but from her point of view, a village <laughs> called Swat. And it's in northeastern Pakistan. And in that village, they started to have the Taliban come in and close all the schools for girls. In Pakistan, there were boys' schools and girls' schools. But it was very few girls could actually go to school. And the reason she was able to go to school was because her father owned the school. And, um, and his name is... Zahudin, Zahudin, okay? And what's important about him is that he believed in his daughter. It is so powerful when daddies believe in their girls. So I was watching some of the interviews um, with Zadin and Malala, and he talked about when she was born, and he looked down and in her newborn face, and he said, oh, she is precious. In fact, he named her after a famous woman 
that had done much good in Pakistan because he believed that his daughter would. And so there was an interview. She was 11 years old, and she was talking about how she had this dream to become a doctor. And her father was sitting next to her, smiling. But he said this. He said, I, I have a dream that's greater than her being a doctor. I have a dream that she would be a politician and she would make a way so that many females could become doctors. So as the story goes, she began to speak out and the Taliban heard about this and she became an enemy to them. And so one day she was going to school and a man armed with, with a gun came onto their bus and he said, who is Malala? And that's all she remembers. But her friend tells the story that he shot at her three times, very close range. And one of the bullets hit her right here above the temple. And so I was watching another video, and it was just um, the doctor was talking about how this was a miracle that she survived. Because when she got shot, it took them two hours to get her in an ambulance and to a hospital. And it just so happened that that very day, there was an English doctor who was, was speaking on um, uh, education or something like that, it was in the country. And so they called her and they said, please come quickly. We want you to save this girl's life. And so this English doctor comes and sees that this girl, she, they're trying to operate on her and they're, they're trying to save her. And all the things that they're doing are not quite right. And so she takes the risk to rush this girl um, eight hours to England to save her life. So what happened was they were able to uh, save her, but they still didn't think that she would be able to speak. They weren't sure she would be able to walk. And the doctor was just explaining the miracle of where that bullet hit her close range, um, and she said it has to be a miracle because the bullet slid from her temple down through her ear, shattering her ear, and through her shoulder. It didn't hit her brain. And so after months of rehabilitation, Malala starts to speak again. And in 2014, <laughs> this young lady won the Nobel Peace Prize for her stance, for speaking out for women everywhere, that they would be able to have an education. And in America, we don't think that that's a big deal because we all can learn, right? And some of us take advantage of that, and we don't even try. <laughs> but in, in countries where you are risking your life to go to school, this young girl, she was 16 when she won the Nobel Peace Prize, is speaking up, and her dream is that women everywhere would be able to have an education. Where does that courage come from? If I was shot and almost killed for speaking up, would I be able to learn how to walk, learn how to talk, and then stand on my platform and say, by the way, I'm not dead yet, and I'm going to keep on speaking? That is courage. And when I heard that story, it just blew me away. <laughs> There's something powerful in the next generation. So let's just like let that sink in for a minute. Courage. It's something that God has given every single one of us on this earth. 
but we choose every day. If we're going to take it up and we're going to walk with it, or if we're going to ignore it, deny it, excuse it, and walk away. Today, we're going to talk about a young man named Gideon who had a lot going against him. He lived in the promised land, but all of the enemies had come in and they were stealing the promise from the Israelites. In fact, it was so bad that the Israelites were hiding in the, in the clefts of the mountain. They were hiding in caves. They only lived in fortified cities because there was no freedom. And when harvest time would come, the enemy would come in. It says, the Bible describes them as locusts, as thick as locusts. They come in and they would steal their crops. They would take all of their animals. So the Israelites had nothing. This is the setting of the story that we're going to look at today. And if anyone knows how hard it is to be courageous, Gideon did. All right. Yes, so we are going to be talking more about Gideon and a, and a principle that is really, really important that so often when we rise up and, and try to have faith, our fear, it seems like our fear screams louder than our faith. Fear obviously is a very, very real thing for men and for women. Um, in fact, uh, funny story. So I went, with, uh, I went to a movie last night with my son, um, my 17-year-old. We went to the movie 1917, uh, which is about World War I. And I've never been to a movie where literally it's like, it's not a movie. Like, you are experiencing World War I with these people. And I normally fall asleep in, like, every movie I ever go to. I told him before it started, I'm like, at some point in this movie, I'm going to fall asleep. I did not. In fact, this is the most embarrassing part that i got to tell you. So I'm like, the, the whole movie, you are literally on the edge of your seat, like, grabbing the armchair. At one point, there was an, ex there was an explosion. I was so into the movie that I went, ah! I curled up in a little ball. I almost sucked my thumb. It was that bad, okay? I was, and in fact, when I realized what I was doing, I looked over at him. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I am, do not tell anybody about this. And then I get up on Sunday morning and tell everybody. But it's like fear, you know, fear can be a very, very real thing for us. And, and also, it was interesting about watching that movie. It's like, yeah, I'm going to talk about courage today. I, I know about courage. I've jumped out of an airplane. And then I watch this movie. It's like, I don't know anything about courage. I don't know nothing about courage. But Courage is, is an important thing, and courage is not the absence of fear. In fact, I've heard someone say, courage is fear that said his prayers. I thought that was interesting because it's, it's not the absence of fear. It's, a, it's the moving on in spite of the fear. And so today, I, I want to talk to some, maybe some hesitant warriors, where it seems like you, you want to step out in faith, but then you, you, you wrestle with this, this insecurity. And the, the man we're going to talk about today is a perfect example of that, as, as Diane set up. When we, when we run into our man, Gideon, we read about him in Judges chapter 6. Here's the setup for how we meet Gideon. The angel of the Lord came and sat down at the oak that belonged to Joash, where his son, Gideon, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. This is really important. I'm just guessing that you've probably never threshed wheat before, like they did in the ancient world. The, a wine press would be the exact opposite place that you would want to thresh wheat. You would want to thresh wheat on top of a hill where there's lots of airflow, where there's wind blow, blowing, because the way you thresh wheat was you would beat it, and then you would throw it in the air, and the wind would take the chaff and blow it away, and what would be left would be the grain. So down in a wine press would be the worst place that you could possibly thresh grain, but that's where we find Gideon. Why? Because he's hiding. 
And we all, as soon as we're introduced to Gideon, we already see this tension between fear and faith. Because on the one hand, Gideon's, faith was, Gideon's family was very courageous. They were one of the few families left in Israel that was still worshiping the true God. Everyone else was worshiping Baal. And they had these big bullies that were coming in, these Midianites. And it was worse than any school bully because these bullies, when they came in, they burnt villages. They raped women. They stole food. In fact, Gideon's brother was brutally murdered. So Gideon has a reason to be afraid. He, they have a reason to be hiding in caves. They have a reason to be hiding, and that's where we're first introduced to Gideon when an angel shows up. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you. Say this with me. Mighty warrior. I love this. An angel of the Lord appears, and he begins to call out what he sees in Gideon. You know, the first principle I see in this story is that God always sees way more than you than you see in yourself. He saw a mighty warrior in Gideon, and Gideon didn't see that at all. God sees way more in you than you see in yourself, and he speaks to you today. And he says, mighty warrior, I've got something for you to do. And I love how honest this story is. I love the interaction that we see between Gideon. When he says this to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, listen to Gideon's response. Pardon me, my Lord. I love how polite he is. If I was talking to an angel, I'd probably be polite too. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders our ancestors told us about? See, Gideon was raised on stories of the Egyptians being killed and in the, in the, in the, in walking through the Red Sea and the ten plagues. And he heard about all these stories. And now he's like, okay, where's that God at? Have you ever had these kind of conversations with God? It's like, okay, God, I go to church and I hear these stories about what you're doing. But then why does it feel like my life's falling apart? Okay, if you're really with me, why? Why is this happening? That's Gideon's first pushback. Why? Well, why is all this happening? In fact, it's so bad that in the next verse he says, I feel like God's abandoned us. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Gideon is having a really honest conversation. And then I love his, the angel's response. The Lord said, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Again, have you ever had a conversation like this with God? God, this world's really messed up. What are you going to do about it? And God says to you, well, what are you going to do about it? That's what he says to Gideon. Yeah, it's bad, and you're the solution. It's bad. You're the solution. I'm going to go send you to fix it. And soon as God begins to call out what he sees in Gideon, the heart of a mighty warrior, what begins to rise up in Gideon? His fears, his doubts, his insecurities, it all rises up. And that's what he says, but Lord, but, but Lord, I, I, how? How is this going to happen? How are you going to possibly, you, how can I rescue Israel? Ever had God talk to you and you have but Lord conversations with him? <laughs> but Lord, he, he challenges you to share your faith with a coworker. But Lord, like what? What if he makes fun of me? Like, what if he asks me a question that I don't know? He called, challenges you to rise up and begin to lead your family. But, but Lord, how? Like, how, how am I going to do that? How? His fears and his insecurities, his doubts begin to rise up. My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. You picked the wrong guy. Not only is you picked the wrong clan, I'm the weakest in my family. 
his fears, his doubts, his insecurities, they all begin to rise up. How in the world are you going to begin to work through me? Today we're going to talk to hesitant warriors, and I'm going to challenge you with, with three things really quickly. Number one, every warrior must fight their inner fear of failure. I don't know, I don't know what your greatest fear is, but that's mine. It's failing. And that's what rises up in me when, when I feel like I'm challenged to do something. But what if I fail? Yeah, I'm going to lead my family. Just to, I think just about every time I've ever been inspired. All right, I'm going to lead my family. Tonight, we're going to gather everybody around, and we're going to pray. We're going to read the Bible, and it's going to be this beautiful spiritual moment. Eh, wrong. It's like all of a sudden, my, three, my, my four children become demon-possessed. Okay, maybe it's not quite that bad. But anyway, it, it gets bad. And it's like they're fighting, beating, calling, stretch. And it's like, what just, we were all getting along fine, and I get the Bible out. What just happened? So next time I was like, okay, I'm never, I'm my, I was like, again, Lord, don't make me do that again. Well, I tried that, and it failed. Every warrior must fight their inner failure, fear of failure. Gideon was, was scared. Well, what, and that's why men, I'm going to talk to men because I understand men. Admittedly, I do not understand women. Every man can say, secretly, women, I think you like it that we don't understand you, but I can't prove it. Men, I think that's one of our greatest fears is, well, what, what if I fail? Why try? And I think that's why we go lethargic. That's why we go lazy. That's why we pull back because I'd, I'd rather not try than try and fail. So I'm just not going to try at all. We must fight our inner fear of failure. So that's why it's so important that we encourage each other. Men and women are asking different questions, okay? It's so important that we encourage each other. Women are asking, if in, a, in a relationship, women are asking the question, do you cherish and value me today? Men are asking a different question. Men are, not, men are asking, do you respect and believe in me today? I never look at my wife and say, do you cherish me? No, I, I want to know, do you believe in me? Women want to be valued and cherished, and men, we need to be doing things to communicate to the women in our life that we value and cherish them. But, but this word today is really, really important. I found this out. Because I found, I don't know what it's like in your house, men, the most romantic thing I can do is dishes. It's better than flowers. Okay? It's the most romantic thing I can do. In fact, I, I'd always laugh because I used to work out with a 17-year-old. Whenever we would do abs, he's like, oh, yeah, the wife's going to like that. I'm like, yeah, right. She don't care about washboard abs. She cares about, will I wash the dishes? That's what she cares about. I assure you. But here's what I found. is like, it's important for me to do those things because I'm putting points into an account. Man, you know what I'm talking about? We're putting points in an account. Here's what I found out. All points evaporate at midnight. They do. Do you value and cherish me today? Today, right? It's like I heard an old man say that once. You know, it's like, well, I don't know why. I told her I loved her 30 years ago. Why do I have to keep saying it? No, it doesn't work that way. Do you value and cherish me today? How are we going to, men, how are we going to fight our fear of failure? Women, how are we going to fight our fear of failure? Knowing that the people that, love, that we care about the most care and believe in us, Right? So we have to constantly, and, but again, men and women are different. So I want to die in to speak to that just real briefly about, so how can a man show a woman that she, he values and cherishes her? Well, ladies want to be seen, and we want to be heard. And so when you wash the dishes, that shows me that you see all that I do, and you appreciate it, and you want to help me. 
And then um, also, like, when we have a burden and we've been walking around and we're kind of talking to ourselves and, and we share that with you and, you know, we say, I'm really stressed out about this. And you put down your phone and look into our eyes and you're actively listening. And this is, this is the best. I don't know if anyone else agrees with this, but like when you say, let me pray for you. I love that because it makes me feel like you're, it's like you're putting your arms around me, but you're helping me to look to God about the situation. And that really means a lot to me. So when you ask me to share about that, I was like, what, what do we need? But I really feel like we just, we need you to see us. We, we're all about this to-do list. We're doing things all the time to show you that we love you, to show you that we want our life to be like somewhat organized and no one's going to die and, and all of those things. Um, but we, we need someone to stop and to just say, you know what, I see, I see you. I see what you do. I appreciate you. And by the way, you're beautiful. I think women need to hear that. I mean, even if you think it, but you don't say it, we need to know that even when we've been in our sweats all day and we, <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry, this is my life, um, <laughs> that you still find us beautiful. So that's it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So women ask the question, do you cherish and value me today? Men ask a different question. Do you respect and believe in me today? Because here's, here's where I'm going to talk to the ladies here for just a minute because um, the men in your life, they will rise up and they will fight for you. They will rise and protect you as long as they know that you believe in them. Because nothing makes me want to rise up as a man more than when my bride says to me, I believe in you, you got this. Because here's what I know, it's like she knows me better than anyone else. If she doesn't believe in me, why would anyone else believe in me? Ladies, you need to know, understand the power of your belief in your warrior, how powerful that really is. Because again, I, I so desire for those who would know me the, the best to respect me the most. And if I think, well, if she doesn't believe in me, why would I? It's just pretend, men. If, if, the, if, our, if, our, if the woman in our life, if we feel like she doesn't believe in us, it's all pretend. We're just pretending. Because down deep inside we go, oh, if she doesn't believe in me, well, what's the point? But again, but, when, but on the positive side, nothing makes me want to rise up and fight. You got this. I believe in you. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, we got this, because that is so crucial and so important to a man, because again, this word today is important, because we live in a culture that says, what have you produced today? What battles have you fought today? We don't care about what you did yesterday or two weeks ago. I remember getting sucked into this as a young man, okay, going into the gym, and, I'll, and I'd be lifting weights, and the, old, and the older guys would stand around and say, oh yeah, I used to could do that. Me and my young punk self's like, I don't care. What can you do now? Well, that's the culture we live in. I don't care what you used to could do. What can you do now? This word today is important. Do you believe in me today? I knew you believed in me a week ago, a month ago, but do you believe in me today? The men, men, we will rise up and fight for the right things in the right way. If we, know, if we, if we really believe that the one who, loves the, who knows us the best loves us and respects us the most. Because here's another thing. For better or for worse, I want you to see this. For better or for worse, your warrior often becomes what you believe about them. 
And again, ladies, <laughs> if you believe they're worthless, lazy, good for nothing, and you communicate that to them, they're probably going to behave like a lazy, good for nothing. But if you speak life over them, nothing makes... <laughs> And again, I, I know it sounds cheesy. I know, men, we should be above this, but I still fall for it every single time. I do. Anytime my wife tells me to move something and I go and do it and she grabs my arm, she goes, oh, you big, strong man. What else do you need to have cleaned around here? I'm telling you, ladies, use your feminine wiles for good. I'm telling you. You want to get stuff done? It, this, it works. But because I was, I was helping her at the school the other day. We were moving around tables and we were doing, and she kept saying that. She goes, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're using your, your strength to help us. And every time she say that, I, st- I said, 22 years, I know what she's doing. I don't care. What else do you need done? You know, just stroke my ego a little bit more. Go ahead. We're like little dogs. <laughs> just pet me. <laughs> for better or worse, your warrior often becomes what you believe about them. So we have to overcome. That's truth number one we want to talk about today. We must fight our inner fear failure. And one of the most powerful things you do is the people that are close to you, when they're speaking life to you, you're going to learn how to fight that, that fear of failure because that's what rose up in Gideon. But I'm the weakest. I'm the least. How can I do this? And he says, I love God's answer. He doesn't say, no, 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 no. <laughs> you got this. You're stronger than this. No, what does he say? I will be with you. Get, get, God's answer to how is, well, don't worry about how is this. I'll be with you. That's the only how you need to know. I will be with you, and you're going to destroy the Midianites. So that's going to introduce us to, to point number two today. So point number one is that we need to overcome our fear of failure, and point number two is that in Christ, you have everything you need to fight and win, and Diane's going to talk to us about that. All right. That is true. So ladies, I think I, I just want to say this. Um, I think that we have to kind of change the script that we think about the men in our lives. Because I think when I'm angry, I can go back to, well, you did this then, you did this then, and I can just rehash, rehash. But we're talking about today and moving forward. And there's a weapon that I think is stronger than any other weapon that I've ever yielded, wielded in my life, and that is forgiveness. And saying, you know what, I forgive as the Lord forgave me. I forgive those past things that have happened because I want to move forward. As long as we hold on to bitterness, we can't move forward. So in Christ, we have everything we need to fight. And I love how in this story, God said, go in the strength that you have. The problem that we face is that we can get tangled up in comparison And so, you know, almost daily you can look at your Facebook feed or you can look at Instagram. You can look at many different things and you can compare yourself to other people. And that can keep you from being who God wanted you to be. That can keep you from having courage. You can get discouraged right away. Oh, look at her. She's so pretty. Oh, look at them. They have the perfect life. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on, right? God wants to encourage you, just like he encouraged Gideon when he was, like, listing off all of the reasons why he couldn't do what God was calling him to do. He wants to stay to you. Go in the strength you have. There's, there's something that he designed in you that is unique. There's something in you that you don't even know about 
But as you lean into God, he's going to begin to show you. Um, I want to encourage you with that. There is something mighty in you. And every one of us has a unique battle. My battle looks different than your battle. My life looks different than your life. Um, but I know that every one of us has those little whispering voices of insecurity. I would say today, <laughs> as I was trying to play bass and sing and I'm preaching right now, all of these things have been an insecurity in my life. Um, when I was in high school, I could sing, but I couldn't hang around the musicians because I didn't play an instrument. And I felt really bad about that because I didn't know how to read music. And so for years, I just heard that voice. You can't really do what you dream about doing because you don't have what it takes. Hmm. And we met in a speech class in college, but I could hardly speak in front of people, let alone him because I thought he was really cute. So I just giggled. It was awkward. <laughs> Uh, but God had something different for me than what I thought of myself. When we had Elena, she was eight days old, he was getting ordained, and I was sitting um, watching him. We had to, like, sit in this little section, and I heard God. This is one of the only times I've ever heard God, like, audibly speak to me, but he said, you will become ordained. And I, I couldn't believe it, it could be God because here I just had a baby and I couldn't even put a sentence together at that point, let alone speak. I, I didn't understand that, but he said it again. And it was like this fire came down and I just, I was like shaking because he so impressed that upon me. And it's been a mystery because I fought that. Um, my whole adult ministry life, like, why would I be ordained? I don't feel like I'm qualified. I'm not like these other women maybe that I've seen do what I'm doing at this very moment. But God knows you better than you know yourself. Go in the strength I've given you. I'll be with you. And you know what's even greater than what Gideon knew? In the new covenant, through Jesus Christ, not only is God with us, but he's in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are never alone, but he dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit is the comforter, the counselor, the great physician. He will lead you into all truth. You got this. Yeah. You literally got this. And I'm excited that we're having the Holy Spirit conference in a few weeks because it's it's an opportunity to just sit in the presence of God. I know everyone that came um, in the fall when we had it, just sit in the presence of God and hear from him. And what he speaks to you may surprise you, just like it surprised me that day when he said, you're going to be ordained. It took a long time, but ironically, I shared that story with a girl who had just had a baby, and I don't even know why I shared it with her, but... From that point on, every time I saw her in church, she would remind me, and it was annoying because I, I, like, had moved on, like, oh, it's okay. I don't have to be ordained, la, da, da. And then here she comes. Hey, so have you done it? Have you become ordained yet? <sighs> no. <laughs> and so 
it's funny, but the Lord does that in my life. So again and again, I'd see her, and finally I was like, that's it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it. I don't understand this. Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. There's something that the Lord wants to whisper into your heart, a dream. Maybe you've given up on dreams. Maybe life has been so tough that you've just given up. I want you to know today that it's today. It's now. It's new. Today, there's something the Lord wants to speak to us. We have everything we need in him to fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Last week, I talked about Ephesians 6 and putting on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand. I want to encourage you today, we need to put on that full armor of God. And I'm just going to read it really quickly for us. In Ephesians 6, 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. And pray. That's a part of the armor that I feel like we forget about. The power of prayer. The power of communicating with God. It's not so much about perfect words, but it's about looking up in the middle of the struggle, just, God, I see you. I ask you to come and to help me. In this last year, we went through um, a battle in our family. And every day, I would get up in the morning with just a new realization that that battle hadn't gone away. And I had to choose, instead of freaking out, which is usually a temptation, I would bow my knee and I would say, God, I thank you that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That verse is part of wielding the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I want to encourage you that maybe you don't feel like you know how to pray. Open up the Bible and just start reading it as a prayer. It's powerful. It cuts through the lies. And I stand here today to say that this battle that I was talking about last year, we're not through it completely, but we've seen victories. And I'm still standing. And I think that's what's important, is that when you're going through the battle, it may be so fierce that you can hardly speak but he will give you the strength to stand. And I want us to know, whether you're a male or a female, you're called to be a warrior. Go in the strength you have. Every warrior must overcome their fear of failure. And we also want you to know that in Christ you have everything that you need. And 
it's so important that we understand this, this, this temptation of comparison. Men and women do it differently. We do it totally differently, but we still do it. And so I want to wrestle with the tension. Last week, we came to communicate a message to you that men don't have to stop being men in the church. We don't have to tone down our masculinity. Women don't have to tone down their femininity. But at the same time, I also want to recognize the reality that men compare ourselves to each other just like women do. We just do it in a different way. Okay, and so I understand that I'm talking about how that it's okay to be macho, but I don't care if you're macho. That isn't what this is really all about because men, again, we're pretenders. And we tend to try to measure up, okay? Because there's, there's lots of things that I do that would be considered macho, okay? You know, I lift weights, I drive a motorcycle, I whatever, but as soon as I get around someone who hunts or fishes, all of a sudden I feel like less of a man. You kill animals with your hands. Oh, you're a man. I don't do that. In fact, I, re- I still remember being scarred the first time I, my dad shot a bunny rabbit when I was a kid. He shot the bunny. What did he ever do to you? See, see, this isn't about being macho or not being macho. It's about who, being who you, God's created you to be. And we do. We, we need to stop comparing ourselves to each other because we do it. Women compare themselves to each other. Men do it. It's like, oh, he makes more money than I do. He's more, than a, more of a man. I don't hear any amens to that, but men, we do that. He's providing for his family better than I'm providing for my family, so therefore he's more of a man. Okay, he does whatever, blah, 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 fill in the blank, and he's more of a man than I'm a man. No, no, that's not what this is about. This is about you being who God's called you to be, and you're unique. This isn't about pretending, being, being macho, to, to, to try to put on an act. No, it's go in the strength that you have. And again, I think as a culture, we get off on the wrong things. I still remember going back to being a teenager. <laughs> Me and my, my buddy, we were, we were laughing because we found out our, our male cousin took up crocheting. I remember us looking at each other. Men hunt, they fish, they lift weights, they don't crochet. Like chest bumping. Yeah, he's less of a man than we are. And I'm not talking about that nonsense. Okay, I'm talking about character. I'm talking about character. Not, not surface-level things. I'm talking about character, and that's what really matters. Okay, and courage is a character trait that has nothing to do with being macho or being feminine. And so this is what the truth we want you to see. We must overcome our fear of failure, and, we must, and God has given you everything that you need to fight and win. That's the good news. And the final thing I want you to see today in this story is that when you decide to gauge in this battle, that the way forward often starts with a step backwards. Okay, so back to our man Gideon. God says, go in the strength that you have. Fight. And Gideon tests God. He's famous for this. Like he he puts a rug out in front of his house. He's like, okay, Lord, tomorrow I want to wake up and the rug be wet and the ground be dry. And he wakes up and he happens. He's like, Okay, cool. If you really want me to do this, now tomorrow I'm going to put the rug out and I want to, this time I want you to flip it. This time I want the ground to be wet and the rug to be dry. And God does it again. Finally, after enough tests, Gideon's like, okay, fine. I'll go do this. So he goes and assembles the army. 32,000 men strong. They're beating their chest and they're painting their faces and they're ready to go to war. Okay? They're ready to go to war, but they're all pretending. And then God drops a bomb on Gideon because Gideon's concerned. He's worried. I don't think 32,000 men is enough to go fight Midian. And then this is what God says to him. You have too many warriors. 
Wait, what? Wait, back the truck up. What are you talking about? Too many warriors. I was worried I didn't have enough. If I let you go and fight the Midianites, and the Israelites will say to me that they, they've saved themselves by their own strength. You've got too many. So this is what God tells them to do. Go in front of your men and tell them, if you're afraid, you can go home. All these men that were just pounding their chests, grunting, and painting their faces, 22,000 of them went home. Fear's a real thing. Gideon's like, okay, whew, this is not going the way I had planned. Down to 10,000 now. Okay, God, you're really messing with me, but okay. At least, I got, at least I know I got the courageous ones. Let's go and fight. And God's like, nope, sorry, still too many. Now he really gets weird. He goes, all right, now go down to the river, have them drink a water, and whoever drinks water the right way gets to fight. 300 men. He's down to 300 men now. The way forward often starts with a step backwards. That's what happened for Gideon. And that's what's going to happen in your life. Because it's happened to me. I wonder if you can identify with me. We're going to give I feel like I've been challenged by God. We're going to be more generous. We're going to give to the church. And I believe God's going to bless it for us. And as soon as we decide, as soon as we give, that week the car breaks down. That week the water heater goes out. That week something goes wrong. You're like, God, what's up? Like, okay, Diane, I, like, we're going to work on our marriage. We're going to go on retreat. It's going to be awesome. And on our drive there, we're getting the biggest fight of our lives. The way forward often starts with a step backwards. So I want you to see, if you decide, I'm signing up, I'm going to be in the war, you're probably going to lose the first battle. We're going to be on a budget. <laughs> Watch what happens, you know? Make those decisions. We're going to do this. And then guess what? The way forward often starts with a step backward. And I almost wonder, it's just testing your tenacity. Am I going to keep doing this? Do you realize that we are a country because a man understood this principle? We are a country because George Washington was a strategic retreater. He lost way more battles than he won, but he drove the other army crazy because he just wouldn't stop fighting. He knew how to lose a battle and say, oh, wait, we'll learn to fight another day. The way forward often starts with a step backwards. And so you say, I'm going to be who God called me to be. It's probably not going to go the way you want. And so then here's the rest of the story real, real quick. <laughs> so then, okay. All right, Gideon, you got your 300 men. Here's the rest of the instructions. They're like, okay, let's, let's suit up, ready. Okay, everybody grab your bazookas, you know, your grenade launchers, your, your AK-47s. Everybody mount up. And God's like, whoa, time out. This is how I want you to go into battle. I want you to go into battle with a trumpet in your right hand and a pitcher with a torch in the left. And Gideon's like, yeah, and what else? No, that's it. That makes sense. All right, the marching band is going to lead the fight. All right, everybody, grab your horns. Okay, God, I, whoa, I'm, I'm over this. I'm over this. And that's what they did. They snuck up, and they, they were around the camp, and <laughs> Gideon's like, okay, guys, Toot your horns. Like, that's the most macho thing they could do that day. Break your pitchers. Break your, what they were told to do. Just stand your ground. And that's what they did. While each man held his position, tooting his horn and holding his torch around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. 
They won the battle. Why? Just because they stood their ground. They held their position and God fought for them. That's it. So here's the last thing I want to share with you. The worship team can get ready. Great warriors don't win every battle. They just never stop fighting. Great warriors don't win every battle. They just never stop fighting. There's some men that need to hear this in this room. There's some women that need to hear this in this room because we all have scars of the battles that we've lost. Every one of us. And the enemy of your soul would want to beat you to death with the scars, the reminders of the scars of the battles that you've lost. Great warriors don't win every battle. They just never stop fighting. And it's time for us to begin to understand this and learn how to fight. Because every warrior's greatest fear is failure. And it's because we'll be reminded of those past failures that the enemy of our soul will try to talk us out of not fighting today. You lost in the past. What makes you think you're going to win today? Every warrior's greatest fear is failure. But here's the next thing I want you to see, that every warrior's greatest pain is regret. So don't let that fear of failure make you live in the pain of regret because today you didn't choose to fight for what you knew you really needed to fight for because you laid down and you gave up. Every warrior's greatest pain is regret. Every warrior's greatest fear is failure. But here's the thing that is so important for you to see is that fear only exists in the future. You're not afraid of the past. You're not afraid of what's happening to you right now. You're afraid of what could happen, what might happen. Fear is imaginary. It's, it's only about what could happen. It only exists in the future. So if you live in the moment, you don't have to be afraid. I know I've told you the story. When I went skydiving, it wasn't the trip down that was the scary part. It was the trip up. The plane right up was the scary part. Once I was in the maximum danger, falling to the ground, it was pure bliss. There was no fear. It was a fear of what could happen. When I'm going up in the plane, fear only exists in the future and regret only exists in the past. So let's not live in the regret of the past. Let's not live in the fear of the future. Let's learn how that every great warrior doesn't win every battle. They just never stop fighting. And there's someone that needed to hear that today. Because you've lost a lot of battles. There's a lot of things that you're ashamed of, a lot of things that you're embarrassed of, a lot of things that you are glad that no one else in this room knows about. But as it's already been referenced today, I'm so thankful for what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And God's word says that he takes all of our sins and he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. And he says, today. Today. So there's somebody that needs to hear that today. That you've given up on a lot of things. Maybe it's your relationship with your husband or your wife. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it is financially. Maybe it is physically. Maybe it is professionally. But in a lot of ways, you've just laid down and stopped fighting because of all the battles that you've lost and you feel so much regret and you feel so much guilt and so much shame. I'm so grateful that God is a God of new beginnings. And today's your day. sing one final song and I just want you to join with us. It's a, it's a 
such a poetic way to end our time together today. How great the Father's love is for us. So I'm going to ask, would you close your eyes? We're going we're gonna to talk to God for just a minute because I believe there's someone in this room. I'm, I'm thinking probably multiple someones where that part at the end, it grabbed you because I was talking directly to you. And you know you've been so beat up because of past failures that you've just wanted to stop trying. But today is a day where God says, I give you the gift of forgiveness. Would you accept that gift of that gift of forgiveness so as we did at the beginning of the service we're going to do it again I don't care if you've done this if you've never done this before or if you've done it a thousand times if you want to accept the gift of God's forgiveness for you over past battles that you've lost put your open hands out in front of you there's something about doing something doing something external in response to what God's doing on the inside it's powerful would you just right now in your own way begin to talk to God and say God I accept your gift of grace I accept your gift of forgiveness I accept the fact that you took the punishment that I deserve for every battle I've lost for everything that I've done wrong every sin that I've committed you've forgiven me for it because of your great love and I want to rise up and fight today but I got to learn how to start over right now I accept your grace your mercy today is a new beginning for you let's sing together if you were impacted by this sermon or if you have any questions we would love to hear from you you can find us on social media at Community Hope on Facebook and Instagram or at our website communityhope.org thanks for listening and we hope to see you next week Oh